Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Friday, December 15th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. As debates over school library books heat up, librarians often find themselves at the center of controversy. We have to have diversity in our libraries. We have to. All people have the right to be recognized, appreciated, to see themselves in the collection. The Wentzville School District's lead librarian speaks with St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke in just a few minutes. Two members of the St. Louis Detention Facilities Oversight Board have resigned. That follows months of criticism by board members who say the city has stonewalled them from investigating jail complaints. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports. Janice Minsa and Mike Milton announced this week they would resign. The departures follow 15 deaths at the St. Louis City Justice Center since 2020. The Board of Aldermen formed the Oversight Board last year to investigate jail complaints. But oversight members say city and jail officials have prevented them from doing their work. Milton says while some members received access to the jail last month, the visit was limited and board members don't have what they need to investigate conditions for detainees. We have not received any information. We, we have nothing to answer to the families who have suffered loss while they're inside of the facility. Public Safety Director Charles Coyle says most of the deaths were from drug overdoses and natural causes. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. A Democratic state representative from Shrewsbury has ended her campaign to become Missouri's next attorney general. Sarah Unsicker says the political system is broken and cites what she calls media manipulation surrounding her professional and personal relationships. Unsicker was recently pulled from House committee assignments because of her association with an accused Holocaust denier. She plans to focus on preparing for the 2024 legislative session after dropping out of the primary race against Ilad Gross. The U.S. Supreme Court is again refusing to strike down Illinois' ban on semi-automatic guns and high-capacity magazines. Justice Amy Coney Barrett rejected, without comments, a gun rights group's request for an emergency injunction to block the assault weapons ban that went into effect earlier this year. Some gun rights advocates are still hopeful since the high court has yet to consider the full merits of the case. Rick Pearson is with the Illinois State Rifle Association. It is, uh, the law was terribly written, poorly thought out, and then you have the Second Amendment violation, and who knows what else is in there. Pearson hopes the Supreme Court will take up the full case challenging the law next year. U.S. Steel and the union at Granite City Works have reached a deal to pay workers for when they were laid off. The company will pay roughly 400 steel workers for two months of work after they were laid off in October. The union disputed how the fall layoffs were announced. U.S. Steel said they'd be temporary or less than six months. The reductions became permanent last month when the company indefinitely idled the Granite City blast furnace. The union says the fall layoffs circumvented federal and state law, which require at least 60 days' notice, which was not given. A St. Louis area health care provider wants to combat drug overdoses in the region with free at home disposable drug pouches. Affinia Healthcare is offering more than 200 pouches at two pharmacies. The technology uses an organic activated carbon to deactivate the drugs. Once the medication and water are in the pouch, you can shake it up 
and then toss it in the trash. Affinia Healthcare Pharmacy Director Kenyatta Johnson says an overdose often happens when the medication gets into the wrong hands, including children and pets. An overdose could happen because they're not familiar with the medication, the medication was not prescribed for them, and then they're not sure how to take it, what they're taking, or how it would affect them. And so it's affecting them in a way that overdoses are happening. The pouches are available at Affinia's pharmacies on Biddle Street and Lemp Avenue. Two St. Louisans are telling the story of African Americans in the region through the book Black St. Louis. It explores the life of black people from the founding of the city to the start of the 21st century. The co-authors say that history should inspire future generations. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. The book by Calvin Riley and Nene Harris tells the stories of enslaved people and the hardships they endured. It also looks at the lives of nightclub owners, soldiers, and everyday black St. Louisans. Through colorful imagery and detailed documentation, the book also highlights joyful moments in the lives of black people in the area. In spite of everything, they built senses of community. Mm -hmm. Right after the Civil War, you see that through lodges and churches, they're building communities community that strengthens one another. Harris says there are many stories about Black St. Louisans that need to be told so they're not forgotten. She was a guest on St. Louis on the Air. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. It's been more than two years since the beginning of a widespread effort to remove books from school libraries and the Wentzville School District has seen many challenges and proposed policies. St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumpke spoke with the district's lead librarian, Mernie Mestis, about how school librarians have been affected. I will be very honest. When this first started, it was incredibly painful. Initially, the challenges were coming from a community member who did not have any children in our schools. From there, it led to more parents being concerned. And gosh, I don't blame parents. I feel like the way it was initiated was done in a way to foster fear. And every parent wants to protect their child. And it has been a snowball effect. You spoke out at a recent school board meeting What policy were you speaking out against, and why was it important to you to take that step? I was speaking out because we have proposed changes to our library collection development policy. All of the language regarding creating library collections to represent diverse voices, that language was all removed, uh, proposed to be removed. We have to have diversity in our libraries. We have to. All people have the right to be recognized, appreciated, to see themselves in the collection. And our students have the right and the privilege of being able to step into the shoes of someone unlike themselves to experience their life through 300 pages. After you spoke at that board meeting, there was some negative reaction. <laughs> what, what happened with that? There was also a lot of very positive reaction. But the negative reaction came primarily from a private Facebook group. I was deemed a probable pedophile and probably had my house filled with child pornography. 
And when you have dedicated your life to children and for the betterment of society as a whole, for someone who's never met you, didn't hear what you said, had no desire to come and have a conversation with you, did not want to try to understand your perspective, but instead wanted to put those words out through the safety of being behind a screen. It is so painful. What do you think is at the heart of all of this? People react very strongly through fear. The attacks on public education and the attacks on libraries go directly to the attacks of our democracy. And when you demean the information that comes from a public library, you are eliminating the sources of vetted, valid information. And instead, information can be fed to anyone then through an algorithm on Facebook, and they're not getting the full picture. They're not getting a deeper understanding. So I believe there is something much deeper going on with what's happening in our society. I believe it is a power struggle. And libraries are at the heart of all of that? They are, because the libraries are at the heart of our democracy. People have those First Amendment rights to learn what they want to learn, to hear what they want to hear, to say what they want to say. And when you can attack those First Amendment rights and you can remove the sources of valid information and valid education from everyone, then you have the power. That was Wentzville School District lead librarian Myrnie Mestis speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke. Our Brian Moline edited that report. Before wrapping up, celebrated music producer Metro Boomin has received the key to the city from St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones. Metro Boomin is the stage name of Leland Wayne, who grew up in the St. Louis area before producing hit songs for The Weeknd, 21 Savage, and Future. He's also done extensive philanthropy work to help single mothers and victims of domestic violence. An emotional Metro Boomin says the honor belongs to his mother, Leslie, who was killed by her husband in 2022. Today, I definitely want to recognize forever in St. Louis, December 14th, as Leslie Joanne Day. Metro Boomin hopes the recognition sparks positive change. This is only the beginning of all the great things that uh, I want to do for the city, you know, to... uh, help turn things around one household at a time. He is the fourth person to receive a key to the city from Mayor Jones. Other recipients include former St. Louis Public Schools Superintendent Kelvin Adams and former medical examiner Michael Graham. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.